0: We are on the third line, third word on the line on 54a, Nun Dalad Amad Aleph. The inu Kiman Sabrua. The is asking like this If they do not paskin like Rib Abba, then indeed we actually like, <coughs> I'm sorry, we actually make Abdullah on H on fire, even on other days other than Shabbos. Who do they hold like that that's their opinion? Kihada Amar ibn Yamin, Bar Yafes, Amar. That which says the name of Rabbi Echanan. They make a, a not, not R, or, or, right? Or is fire, right? So they make a, a um, I'm sorry, R, it is R actually, it's fire, right? And light as opposed to fire. So they make a bracha on the on the fire. Whether it's Matzi Shabbos or Yom Kippur. Obviously on Yom if we do not make a bracha on fire, right? Matzi yomt, we obviously don't make a bracha on fire because you are allowed to use the fire on Yom Teh. And indeed, that is the halacha, and that's how we pass it today. Now, the Gemara asks a question on that conclusion. The Gemara challenges this, right? Oops. Gotta get my situation set up over here. We only make a bracha on fire on Matzeh Shabbos. Why? Because that is the beginning of its creation, was on Matzeh Shabbos. And right, right when you see the fire for the first time on the Shabbos, you make a bracha immediately. Behuda says, no, you should set and make the bracha of fire, the salmon, and the bracha on the wine, and the bracha of Avdala. Make it all together while you have a cup of wine in your hand, as opposed to just making the bracha. When the fire is lit, make your bracha. When you smell the summon. make your bracha. He puts it all together in one group. We'll see that this is a machleik night is like Rabbi so indeed, we see that you could make the bracha on fire on Matsium Kippur too. Like Kasha, Min Here's a very important halacha. I think we mentioned it earlier this year before in Kippur. Halacha is like this. On Matsey Shabbos, you are specifically supposed to light a fire that is a brand new fire on Matsey Shabbos. On Matze Yom Kippur, you're actually supposed to light from a fire that was started before Yom Kippur began okay because what we're trying to signify is the difference between the fire that we light on Matzai Shabbos which is as a remembrance of the fire that Hashem created for the first time on Matzai Shabbos and the fire that we light on Yom Kippur which is based on the fact that we were not able to use fire the entire day so in our gratitude to Hashem we then light fire to express our, that now we're able to use fire again okay so that's why on Matzayim Kippur, you're not supposed to be lighting it from the beginning. You're supposed to be lighting it from something that was either already lit or or just actually using the candle that was lit from before. We learned in one braysa. fire that comes out from itzim and from sticks and stones. It's a way of saying that's a brand new fire. You can make a bracha on it. Even on Matzay, uh, or Sorry, you make a bracha on it. Another braysa says you do not make a bracha. When the fire is coming from sticks and stones, in other words, initially lit on Matzayim Shabbos. Like Kash, that's not a question. Kanba Matzayim Shabbos, Kanba Matzayim Kippur. The one that says you make a bracha is talking about when you lit a new fire on Matzayim Shabbos. The one that's saying you don't, make a new, you don't make a bracha if you lit a new fire, that's a Matzayim Kippur. Rebbe Mephazran, also went with the, with the Mahalach, went with the way of, he split them up and made the brachas at different times. He didn't put them all together, you know, together over the cup of wine. Rebichiyah would put them all together and gather them in like one bundle, so to speak. Even though Re- Rebbe would, as soon as the fire was lit on Shabbos, he would make a bracha. Right? So to be clear about what's going on over here, you know, they didn't have electric fire. Right. So by the time Matzai Shabbos comes around, they don't have any candles. It's dark. Right. So what do they do? As soon as Shabbos is over, three stars are out light a fire. When they lit that fire, Rebbe would already make a bracha of at that point. Then he would take some of he would make a sum. Right? Then he would take the Hagafen, and then he would say the Hagafen together with the rest of the Avdallah. However, if his wife and children had not yet heard Avdallah, he would go and make the whole Avdallah all over again for them in the proper way with them all gathered together. For Rebbe, I think I'm ask a question, fascinating question. Is it true <laughs> that fire was actually created on Matzah Shabbos, but Tanya, we learned in the Baisa, Asar Nebru Be'Er of Shabbos Ben Famous, um, this is also found in a in Pirkei Right, there were ten things that were created on Friday afternoon, the very first Friday afternoon, Ben time, right in in the twilight zone, in between day and night. Elohim, these are they, Be'er, right? What's the Be'er? The well of Miriam, Be'er Miriam, the, the well that of water that followed them in the desert in the merit of Miriam. The man that fell, the keshas and rainbow, right, The thing with which one, uh, the shapes of the letters of the of, of the alphabets, and the thing with which you write the letters, of the alphabets, the haluches and the luches Habris, the two the two uh, tablets upon which Meshabinu wrote the the asaras habres, the kibroit Shaisha, and the grave where Meir is buried, umarash amad by Meir and the cave in which Meshe Rabbeinu and Elio HaNavi stood. What are we referring to here? We're referring to the stories, both in, in the Torah itself with Meshe Rabbeinu and in Navi with Elio, where the, where they were able to see a glimpse, a higher glimpse of Hashem's uh, creation, some sort of reality about Hashem they were not able to see before that and after that. The opening of the donkey that Bilam rides on that ends up speaking to him. It puts together two different things. It says, you know what else? The opening, right? It's a play on words. The opening of the ground with which it was swallowed up, um, Korach and M'chol right? So we know that when Korach does the rebellion against Moshe, the ground opens up and swallows them, right? So that was also created on Arab Shabbos. He says the name of his father. He adds one more. Also, fire was created on banish Mashas, and also, and also the ferret. The ferret is a mule, right? What's a mule? A mule is created from a horse and a donkey. So although you could create it by a horse and donkey, but the Gemara tells us these are, these are things which were created every Shabbos Banesh not the time or place for it, but it's a fascinating study as to why specifically these things had to have been created in this twilight zone that was the end of creation, but there's still some creation happening, right? It's very interesting that these things had to be created before the world was created, but after the world was mostly created, right? Rabbi says in the name of his father, also the ram, which ram are we referring to here? We are referring to the ram that was offered up in place of Yitzchak at the Akedah. Also the Shamir, what's the Shamir? The Shamir is that special worm that built the Besamikdash, right? According to one opinion, even the Mesa Mikdash was not able to be built unless you actually used an instrument that was not made out of metal. How do you cut stones without an instrument made out of metal? They took the shamir, which actually goes a worm that bores right through metal. It was created in the Spanish Masha's time. These are all these are all creations that basically have some shaychas, have some connection to the natural Bria, to the natural creation, but on the other hand doesn't really fit in properly. Have you Aimer, Ap at T says famously. Also the Tebas. What's a Tebas? The Tebas is the pure of tons, right? Now, how do you make a pair of tongs to hold a metal instrument that you're in the middle of forming and shaping through holding it over fire? Well, if you don't have a tongs, you can't create anything. But how do you create the first set of tongs? So he says it must be that that was also something that Hashem created for the world. Who are you, aimer? Tzifsa, but He used to say that tzifsa, the tongs, but tzifsa, are made with other tongs. But tzifsa, come on, And who made the first pair of tongs, right? Because they can't. Who's going to make it? Ha, huh. The, the truth of the matter is it actually was created by Hashem himself. Amar they said to him, actually, we we're asked to question. What do you mean? Maybe you can make some sort of a mold, right? And what type of mold will you do? The, um, you make it into a mold that will be the shape and then like get the metal really, really hot by, by basically, I'm guessing what it means is to take, um, to take some sort of a wood shapes right and build a wooden mold right and then what you do is you put the the metal in it right in a way that will end up shaping a form of that wood you make the wood really really wet and then if you heat up the the fire then it will end up creating the mold of the tongs and you'll be able to use these tongs in the future to then make other instruments probably the first set of tongs doesn't have to be a great set of tongs either right It could just be a very very utilitarian and then from there you can go to the next step you must said, "Hala ay bariya b'day adam b'riya b'day adam." He's was seen from here. that indeed, was created by man. Loi kash, it's not a question. Hava ardi tan, hava ardi gehanim. So, one second, no, 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 one second. When we talk about what was created on Matzah Shabbos, one of them was about the fire that we use daily, and one is about the fire of hell. The fire of hell was created by Neshmash. The fire that we use on, on daily basis that's created by Neshmash on uh, Matzah Shabbos. Ardi tan Matzah Shabbos, ardi gehanim be'er Shabbos. The fire that we use, that is actually created on Matsi Shabbos. The fire of Gehenim is created on Erev Shabbos. Or the Gehenim of Erev Shabbos. One second. Is the fire of Gehenim created on Erev Shabbos? Uh, Tanya, we learned in her Seven things were created before the creation of the world. Which is a way of saying that without these seven items, the world, the creation of the world wouldn't be possible. these are they. Torah, obviously, the world can't be created without the Torah. B'chuvah. And the world would not have been created if not for the possibility of Tshuva. They got Eden and heaven. Uga'anim and hell. The Kisei and the throne of glory upon which God resides. Ubeis HaMikdash and the temple. Ushmai Shal-Mashiach and the name of Mashiach. Torah. Hashem kanani Hashem made the Torah at the beginning of Tarkai, his way. Tshuva. I don't know that Tshuva was created before the world. yuladu. Before the mountains were born, there was already Tshuva in the world. And it says ad it says that the um, man is turned right hashem is turned, right turn man at until he feels a sense of guilt it says repent my uh, my children right gan it says hashem created again a garden in eden mikadam from before so, it says that from before yesterday, Gehenna was already set up. The throne of glory was lifted up high from the beginning, the place of our temple. That's actually on my daily right? So, this means like this, that your name will be forever. I'm sorry, his name will be forever before the sun. Before the sun it was created even before the sun. Yinon Shemo, right? Yinon is an Israeli name. It comes from Kahilim. It is actually one of the names of Mashiach. Amri. So we say like this. Khalalahu <laughs> ha'elam. What was created before the world was created? We talk about Gehenim, the place in which the sinners will reside, but not the fire. The or the day, the eroshabbas. And the fire of the or the Day, or the fire of Gehenim will be created on Erev Shabbos. Or the day of Arab Shabbos every and true that the fire was created in Arab Shabbos, but you went to rise. rising. The fire that Hashem created on the second day of Shabbos, right, Monday, right, when the dates of creation. la It will never be extinguished. It says, And they will go out and see the the um the remains of the people who have been pushing, who have uh, who have fought back, who have rebelled against against me. Hashem speaking here Kit loyasam Loy Thomas Their worms are not going to die but Asam late and their fire will not um and the fire won't go out why does not it say on um, in all the days of creation it says toy maybe he toy it doesn't say that by um, by the second day why isn't never by or is the fire can't to beat up remember that's our Alpha Peter that says But in reality, once on the sixth day, Hashem says that all the days were good, right? So then that includes, Hashem saw everything that he made, and it was very good. That indicates that in the totality of things, Gehenem is good. In isolation, it's not a good thing, right? But in the totality, as being a crucial, critical part of the creation of the world, that we should recognize reward and punishment, it is actually good. And the fact that he, Hashem, actually thought about the creation on erev Shabbos, once again, to be clear, all of these statements have to be understood in a. They are clearly agadic statements. You should not understand them literally, right? So exactly what this means that Hashem thought about creating on erev Shabbos is going to be a part of a, a bigger conversation as well. It wasn't actually created until Matzah Shabbos. Two things: Hashem thought back creation on Er Shabbos. Well, Matzah Shabbos was actually created on Matzah Shabbos. When Matzah Shabbos, Hashem put wisdom in the mind of Adam, first man. It's a the knowledge is similar to the knowledge of above. Right? What are we referring to over here? Right? So he, he's not referring to the fact that he ate from the Eitz Hadass. It's on Friday, right? So we refer to something else. He gets some sort of um, divine inspiration that gives him some something akin to divine knowledge. What does he then do? He brings together a flint and a, and a stone, and he all of a sudden hits him. You know what? I should hit these two things together. Something good is going to happen. And all of a sudden, fire comes out. And then he brings together two animals, and he puts them together, and they mate. He brings together a donkey and a horse, and they mate, and they produce a mule. Mules are far more valuable than actually either of them, at least in those days. We're <coughs> What'd you say, Murad? Extend the I can't hear you, Murad. How long can you extend the Abdullah? How many days? How many hours? Oh, three days. How long? How many days? For three days, you could say, Abdullah. Three days. like can do, what, Tuesday? Yeah, till Tuesday, yeah, yeah. But well, hopefully you don't end up doing that. This is not, it's not <laughs> ideal. Ideally, doing a when, when you do it on <laughs> When <after, laughs> you do it after, when you do it on Tuesday, you just do the, the Hagafen and the, and the actual bracha. You don't do Ash or, or uh, summon. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. like this. The says, can you tell me that that Adam really put them together? Rabbi Shimei, a little that the, the mule was actually only came into being on the, in the days of Anna. Anna was the one of the descendants of Asaf's family. She never, as it says who this is the Anna who finds the Yemim in the desert right Darsha. so those who would those who would actually explain things on a, on a not shot level on a not simple interpretation but rather in a deeper level they would say Annapostoya. Anna himself was a psul. He was someone who came from a, a, a mamster, right? He was a bastard, right? Therefore, he brought other types of bastards into the world. It says, Sayer, these are the sons of Sayer, Akhiri. Sayer is the Seir, sons of Sayer, Hakhiri, right? Sayer is a person, he's the king. And it also says, Ela benay And about, about both the sons of tsivain and the sons of Sayer, it says that they were Anna was their son. How can Ana be two men's sons? Ela Shabbat tsivain. Al-imay. So it teaches us that Sivain, who was he he actually slept with his own mother, and the bastard ended up being his brother and son at the same time. The Dilma tre anahave, I maybe it's really two different annas. He says, I'm gonna say something that even Shvar Malka himself didn't say. Um-manu, who is this? Shmuel. right? Shmuel didn't say this. Ekadami, another pe- another version was Amr Papa, and me the Shvar Malka Amra. I also even didn't say. Um-manu, and who is this? Rava. Um, says in the pasuk, who." When it says who Anna it's telling you that it's the same Anna as the one we mentioned previously. So we see that indeed he was born from this illegitimate union. Sare <speaking in Hebrew> Ten things were created. Er Shabbos, bein Hashmosh, Friday afternoon, between suns, between the sunset and the stars coming out, we both twilight. Elohei, these are they. the well of Miriam. Uman, and the man that falls from heaven. <speaking in> Bekashas <Hebrew> and the rainbow. Aksav. The letters of the Hebrew alphabet, Ba and the things that write you write with, Ba and the luchas upon which the, the Torah, the Asaras the Hadibras are inscribed. the grave in which Moshe is buried, that no one will ever know. The Torah exhorts us that no one will ever know. And indeed nobody has ever found it. Yo and the cave in which they stood, the opening to the mouth of the donkey that Philom wrote on ha and the opening of, in the ground to swallow up the wicked in the days of Korach, and the other people say, the, the, remember, after the rebellion with Korach, even after they brought the offerings and only, only Aaron's was burnt up, they still were people who were uncertain as to whether or not he was the proper choice. So they did another thing where they brought these staffs and they saw which one flowered. And Aaron's thing flowered immediately, right? Instantly, it flowered um, almonds, right? So that thing, which almonds with its flowers, that it's, it, it flowered right away, that was also created in Benesh Mashiach's time. Other people say, also the mazikim, mazikim are the demons, right? Other people say, turning the page now, Big the garment that other Marishan wears when Hashem makes him a garment, it really was made before in Benesh Mashiach's time. Don Rabbanan. We in there are seven things that are covered up from the eyes of people that we don't get to know the answer. Elohim, these are so the day in which he will die. And the day in which he will have Nachama. he will have comfort. He will be relieved of whatever his issues are. And the extent of what will happen when there will be judgment, the depths of the din. And a person does not know what's in his friend's heart. And a person doesn't know how he's going to make money malchus and when will the malchus, the reign of David, or the house of David, when will it come back into being the the malchus over us? and when will the evil kingdom, when will it end? Rashi explains this is referring to Rome, but you could take it whichever way you want. But what the Gemara is telling us is the evil reign. When exactly it will end, we don't know the answer. There are three things that came up into Hashem's mind that that they should be created, and if it wouldn't have, he actually would have put them into the world as well. Once again, hard to understand what this is saying. What are these? That if someone dies, their body should end up decomposing. That when someone is dead, it should be forgotten from the heart, which is why Yaakov Avinu recognized that Yosef couldn't be dead, because he did not forget him. He wasn't consoled. This is a, a great wondrous thing that Hashem created that we have the ability to end up getting consoled after we lose a loved one. The al-hatruah, and on the wheat, shet that'll end up getting, uh, uh, will end up um, going bad and turning moldy, right? Now, the Hashem and other people say, al Yatsa. and others say the idea that we have um, uh, the, the fiat currency. I guess not fiat currency. At that point, there wasn't fiat currency. There was only uh, actual coins. But that idea was also something that was created. Okay, new Mishnah, continuing in the topic that we've been discussing until now, which is that some places have the minute to do something, and the other places have the minute to not do not. What's the next thing we talk about? There are places in which the customs that you can do malacha on Tishab on the ninth of Av. then you can do it. Good. That's the custom you can do it. Magmashana malacha? A place that the custom is not to, you can't do it. And any place where there are Tamil no matter if they're living in a town where the custom is to do malacha or the custom is not to do malacha, to do labor on B'Av, no matter what, Tamil Torah scholars should not do malacha. Shunal Amar, Yasa Adam is of the opinion that everybody should treat themselves as if they are Tamil when it comes to specifically this question of not working in forbidden not working in uh creative actions on B'Av, right? We're not talking about turning on lights over here. We're talking about to do work for the sake of making a living. There is no such thing as a, a public fast in uh, in babel Ella Tishbav, except for Tishbav, right? govad What do we mean by this? We don't mean that there's no public fast. What we mean to say is that there's no public fast that actually starts on the night before, except for Tishbav. The member the Aser. Is this say that Shmuel said that even during Ben Ashmasis already in the previous night Tishbav was already considered forbidden to eat? Shmuel said explicitly that on bina the twilight time of d'ishba, indeed is permitted. To eat. Maybe uh, that typically every Shmushas, or sorry, every fast day is always permitted. But we learned in you have to eat and drink while it is still daytime. What's it coming to exclude? Isn't it coming to exclude? That twilight you're not allowed to look. Rather, it's coming to exclude when it has become dark, that the fast uh, you know, after after um, the stars come out, not after not during twilight. Come and hear a proof. there's no difference between Tishbav and Yemekipuram except Al asar is mutter. If you're uncertain which day is Tishbab, you don't have to fast two days. If you're uncertain which day is Yom Kippur, you have to fast two days. My mutter. When we say that it's it's doubtful thing is permitted, what are we referring to? Labana Shmashis? Are we not referring to twilight in other words what we think is this is actually a clear proof that Tishbab is more lenient in the sense that twilight is permitted to 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 eat no it's not what it means it means that means when you're uncertain what day it's up to so for t- yom you have to pass two days for your so to over here too as well if you're if you're somewhere in a place where you don't know which day is supposed to be Hash- which which is supposed to be in kippur i guess you also probably don't know which day is supposed to be Rosh Hashanah then you're going to have to keep two days as Yom Kippur, but for Tishvav, you wouldn't have it. Women who are pregnant and women who are nursing, they can fast, and they can continue and finish their fast on Tishvav. In the same way, they fast and and break, and break um, finish their fast on Yom Kippur. And the Benesh Masha of Tishvav is already forbidden to eat. He said that Tishbav is not like a Tainus Tiber, it's not like a public fast day. Does he not mean that for Bainus right, that Bainus is already, um, is, is indeed permitted? Lloyd, he doesn't mean that. He means, he means that for the Melacha purposes, it's not like a Tainus Tiber that for malacha purposes on a regular or f- f- public fast, you're allowed to do Malacha on Tishvah, you're not. We already learned this in a Mishnah. And a place in which the custom was to do malacha on Tishvah, then you can do this work on Tishvah. And a place in which the custom was not to do work on Tishvah, then you don't do this work. The so wider of Shemima G'malai will say this, he only said like this. He said that when it comes to not doing work on tishbab if there is a concern that perhaps people seeing you not doing work on Tisha B'av are going to think to yourself, oh, he's so haughty and shmordy, right? He thinks he's like a Talmud. Oh, that's why he's not doing work. Mishnah says, no, nobody's going to think that. I'll just think he has no work to do, and that's why he's not doing work. However, but he didn't actually forbid doing it. So what does it mean that it's not like a to Tsever? Or the fact that it's not a on, in the old days when they had these special fast days that when there was no rain and they would put in these special fast days in, as effect to effect and to, to beg Hashem for, to take away his decree. So they would actually daven mm-hmm. the same Shemona the same five Shemona that we daven on, on Yom Kippur. They would daven an extra Shemona called the ilah, the closing of the gates. The mm-hmm. so, um, rabbi and rabbi said, so Rabbi is actually of the opinion that you could daven the whole day straight, right? So if says that you could daven the whole day straight, then why, indeed, don't we have a actual extra tefillah on Kishba? What's the problem? Over there, it's a chayva, Over here, it is just optional. So in other words, on a day when you're uncertain, if you daven, right? I'm sorry, on on the on the tiniest seabird, on a public fast that you're obligated to daven the ilah, but over here, you're only permitted to daven the ilah, but you're not obligated. Another answer is, what does it mean that it's not like a regular public fast? That you don't have the 24 blessings. So there's a special Shmona Esri that they used to do on these public fast days, and the special Shmona Esri had actually 24 blessings, right? That's only true on the regular fast days, but not public. Papa Papa says, what does it mean it's not like a Tainus Seber? It is not like the, the first ones. Rather, it is like the later ones, but not the first ones. Okay. Um asura, okay. and therefore it's forbidden. the Gemara asks the question. Ain Bain Ain Bain Tishbav, there's no difference between Tishabov and Yom Kippur. Elash is Rather, the only difference is that Yom Kippur, which is forbidden on a Torah level, to eat, it becomes a, anything that is about, doubtful about it, you are not permitted to be lenient. But Tishabab, which is only forbidden on a rabbinic level, anything that you're doubtful about, you are allowed. To is it not referring to the fact that is permitted on tishbav? Amar Rav the son of Ravidi says once again referring to a case in which you're uncertain what day is the correct day so for tishbav you don't have to be stringent for yom kippur you do and the implication will be that for everything else Tishva and yom kippur exactly the same. bring a proof to said person is not allowed to stick your finger into water on Tishva. The same way you're forbidden to stick your finger into water on Yom Kippur. may say, the more I ask the question. That on, um, on one day it's forbidden to do work. And the other one is permitted to do work. In a place where they are the customers to do work. It implies that for everything else, they're exactly the same. A Public fasting and tishvav are exactly the same, other than the fact that public fasting, you're not allowed to do work, and Tishbab in some places, you are allowed to. Tanya. By tanya, what does it say? So when they said that it's forbidden to wash, they only said it's forbidden to wash your body if you wash your whole body. On a public day, if you want to wash your hands, your feet, or your arms separately, one at a time, then you're allowed to do it on a public fast. You're not allowed to do that tishvav. Amir Papa answers turning the page. Tana kule kule ketani. The Tana was not trying to teach you the stringencies. He was telling you the leniency. So first he says Tishbav is is um, is not more lenient than Yom Kippur except for the suffering, except for the doubt. Then he says that Tana Seber is not more lenient than Tishbav except for um, I'm sorry the other way around. That Tishbav is not more lenient than, than, uh, than uh, a regular public fast day except for the fact that um, that you don't uh, except for the fact that you're allowed to work in the places where the customers to work. And the Gemara says that, according to Mishnah now, where it says that anytime, anytime you have a Talmah Chacham, even if it's in Yom, if it's Tishvab, in a place where the custom is to work, if it's a Talmah Chacham, you should not work. And Rabbi Shemagam Le'el said, and everybody should treat themselves like a Talmah Chacham. Remember, Rabbi Shemagam Le'el, is that to say Rabbi Shemagam is not concerned for Yuhara. Yuhara is a fascinating idea. We came across it in the Sechus Brachas. And it means like this, do not engage in the kind of behavior that only very righteous people engage in. Because if you do so, there will be the appearance that the reason why you're doing it is because you think very highly of yourself. Is it true that is not concerned for you are and are concerned? But we heard these positions the opposite in brachas it not learned in the Mishnah. Like this. Allah is like this. The Mishnah teaches in, in brachas that. If you are getting married and it's your first night of your marriage, you will not be able to have the proper level of concentration during saying Shema, so therefore you are exempt from saying Shema on that night. Today, by the way, we don't have such a great level of concentration on the best of times, so therefore we're obligated every night. Now, there's said that is true about a, a regular person, but if someone chooses that he says, I'm able to have the proper level of kavana, then indeed he could say so. I'm sorry, the opposite. The Chachamim say that anybody who chooses to say, I'm able to have the proper level of kabana good to go. They're not concerned for you, Ara, the appearances. M'sh says, no, I am concerned for you, Ara. So over there he says, not everybody daven because it looks like they're holding themselves up to be very high level. But over here he says, everybody is permitted to not work. What's the difference? Amar Yechon says, switch around the positions, reattribute them. He says, don't switch them around. The rabban the the Chachamim is not a question. Over here, since everyone, Abdi Malacha, the on Tishbab, since everyone else is doing Malacha and you're not doing Malacha, then it looks like the reason why you're not doing Malacha is clearly because you are someone who is actually uh, thinks highly of himself. al Hassan, but over there, they say that you could, everybody who wants to can say Shema. Even the Alma Kari, the Iwanami Kari, since everyone else is saying Shema, if you say Shema too, there's nothing wrong with that. Nobody's going to think, oh, that's strange that he's saying Shema. You're not going to think about it. It doesn't look different because you're not engaged in a behavior that's different than everyone else. Over there says you cannot say Shema. Over here he says he could not work. Over there, fact of the matter is you cannot say Shema unless you have the proper level of intention. And you can't have the proper level of intention. So what are you playing games for? And we understand that no one can, it's very hard to focus properly on that night. Therefore, if he thinks he could focus properly, that itself looks like Yorah. It doesn't look like you are wrong. the fact that he's not working. They would just say, he doesn't have any work to do. Go and look, there's lots of people who are not doing any work. So the fact that he's not doing work is not an indication that he thinks of himself very highly. New Mishnah. In Yehuda, right in the Yehuda part of Israel, they would do work on Arab Pesach until Chatzis, until midday. And in Galilee they didn't work at all on Arab Pesach. So the Gemara says Halayla, right? So the thirteenth night of the sun, right, the night preceding the day. says you can't work. Moshe says you are permitted to work during the night on Arab Pesach until the sun comes up. Initially, the Gemara tells us there's customs. And then all of a sudden, in the end, we start talking about, it's actually forbidden. It's not a question. One position is position of Ramey, one position is position of Rabbi Yehuda. In Yehuda, they would do work on Arab Pesach, until midday. And in Golo they wouldn't do work at all. How could you bring a proof from Yehuda and Galo? Right, it's not about Yehuda and Galu. It's going to be determined in general by whatever whatever the custom is locally. So what does Yehuda and Galu have to do with the price of tea? Ella rather a last place where the customers do malacha. and they could do it. Makom the place where the customers custom not to do labor on ere Pesach. and you can't do it. And a mayor from the fact that a mayor says it's just a custom question. You see from here that Yehuda is supergamar that's actually forbidden on a, a real level, a real rabbinic level, not just a custom. Saver and the indeed say that you're permitted to work on Arab Pesach on the 14th, but Tanya <coughs> Someone is weeding on the 13th day of Nisan, and he ends up taking a nekar, he ends up taking up a grain from the ground with his hands. So then Shoisla the kit. you replant it in the place where it came up out of the ground. But do not replant it in a dry place. Why? Because it's going to take too long for it to take root. And if it takes too long for it to take root, then it's not going to have taken root before the the Karban Omer offering that you bring on the second day of Pesach. That permits you to actually, I'm sorry, that that you bring on um, on the 16th of Nisan, right? That permits you to actually start eating the grain that had already taken root prior to that offering. So if it came out of the ground and you replanted it in dry ground, it's not going to retake root. But if it came out of the ground and you replanted it in a muddy ground, it will take root again. It sounds like only on the 13th, it's okay, but not on the 14th. right? Gemara says like this, one sec. Come and check this out. We know that Rebihuda was of the opinion. Anytime you put something into the ground that is actually grafting, literally, together, has not taken, does not take root within three days. Okay, It takes three days for it to take the attach then it's not going to attach at all. Now, if I do the hell that you're allowed to work on the 14th, then what's the big deal? Why do you have to plant it on the 13th? <laughs> the 14th day, the 15th day, and part of the 16th day. We're talking about in Galil, right? And since Galil is different, because in Galil, it was actually forbidden to work on the 14th. That's why you have to talk about a case on the 13th. You can plant that on the night before says that it's actually forbidden to plant the night before. I says, permitted to plant the night before. So why didn't you plant the night before? Because people do not customarily actually do this uh, weeding at night. And what's the case of here? And when it comes to the hash-rasha, the, a, a plant taking root in the ground, a plant taking root in the ground, there's a concept called miktas hayem kikule, which means that anytime you have a certain measure of time that has to pass, like one day has to pass. Typically, we say as long as part of the day has passed in that state, you're okay. The, the example that's the easiest to talk about is avelus, right? So shiva, right? You have to sit shiva for seven days, but on the seventh day, you don't have to sit for the whole seventh day. You just sit for the part of the day in the morning, and that's already sufficient. Then you get up, and that's considered like sitting for the whole day. So when it comes to, um, so we say it's like this. If you plant sometime on the 14th day, so you have the 14th day as day one, 15th day as day two, 16th day before the carbon is brought is day three, and then you already have time for it to take root because that's three days total. The Gemara says, no, you don't have three days total because you can only say one time that part of the day is considered like a whole day, but not on two days in one time period. It's like <inaudible> the new says, any work that you began before the 14th day, go so you're allowed to finish it on the 14th day. So you should not start doing labor for the first time on the 14th day. Even though you are able to finish it on the 14th day. There so are three different types of, of workers, of, of uh, craftsmen, literally, were able to do work until chatzes. These are they. Tailors, right? Because they need to help people make sure that their their clothing is ready for, for Pesach. So they're allowed to do work. On Erev Pesach, according to everyone. Oops. Um, okay. Sorry. So they're allowed to do work. Uh, the, these khayatan are allowed to do work. Who else are the tailors allowed to do work? fast Safarim and also the people doing uh, barbers, haircutters, fat kipesin, and also people cleaning uh, clothing. And even shoemakers are allowed to do work on Erev Pesach. When we say that you're allowed to do work if you're if you're going to finish it by the 14th, are we talking about finishing for, this, for the sake of needing it for Yom Tif? But if you don't need it for Yom Tif, you're not even allowed to finish it on Erev Pesach? Even if it's not necessary for Yom Tif, you're still allowed to finish it if you start it before the 14th. But if you need it for Yom Tif, and you're allowed to even start on the era Pesach. Or should we explain? Whether it's for the sake of Yom or whether it's not for the sake of Yom T'v. You're only allowed to finish. You're not allowed to start. Right. So the first opinion is that you're only allowed to finish things that you actually needed for Yom tif, But you don't need it for Yom tif. Um I'm sorry. If you need it for Yom tif, you're allowed to start also. And it's only things that you don't need for Yom that you're only allowed to finish but not start. Or do we say that no matter what, you're never allowed to start an the era whether you need it or not. Right? Um, One second, how many opinions are the total? Okay, three opinions, right? So either we say that you're only allowed to finish if it's for the sake of Yom Tif. If it's not for the sake of Yom Tif, you're not allowed to finish at all. Or we say, for the sake of Yom Tif, you're even allowed to start, and for everything, you're allowed to finish. Or we say, for everything, you're allowed to finish, but you're not allowed to start for anything. Peshmaq, how many are approved? So you should not start initially on the 14th day of Nisan. Even a very small belt. Even. Shivcha Kitana, right? A shivcha Kitana, which is like a smaller uh, covering. Maya filu. What are you saying? Even Lava filu. Hani di letser We're not giving. Is it not that we're giving these examples because these are things that are typically needed for yamtiv? And still, migmar in is kulei lo. You're only allowed to finish and not allowed to start. Michlal d'shloy letser. The implication is that if you're doing something not for the necessity of not, for, not necessary for yamtiv, migmar nami legamina. You're also not even allowed to finish. it. Where it says loy, not true. If it's something that's not necessary for preemptive, indeed, you're allowed to finish. So what are we saying that even these things, what are we referring to? Even these things which are very small, you might have thought to say "Has since it's very easy to finish them, so you might have said that as long as you started, you're whatever, it's basically the same time. You might have thought you could even start it. And you still can't do it. you from You anything that is necessary for Yom tif, turning the page now, you're allowed to finish it on the 14th. Only if you started before the 14th. Right? So if you did not start in every Yom tif, you cannot finish it on Yom tif. And it's explicit over there that we're referring to things that are necessary for Yom tif. So we see the answer to our question. You're only permitted to actually finish things that are started before, yom, before the 14th. If it's actually necessary for yomtif. If it's not necessary for yomtif, you cannot even finish it on Erev Yomtif at all. <speaking in Hebrew> not for necessary for yomtif, you can't finish it. <speaking in Hebrew> not, not true. Maybe even things that are not necessary for yomtif, you're also allowed to finish. tell <speaking> you, <in Hebrew> even things that are necessary for yomtif, if you're finishing it, okay, but if you're just starting it, not okay. <speaking in Hebrew> Anything that is necessary for yomtif, you're allowed to finish on the 14th. If it's not necessary for Yamtif, you're not allowed to finish on the 14th. And you're allowed to work on Arab Yamtif until midday. In a place where the custom was to work on Arab Yamtif until midday. In a Place where the custom is to work, you're allowed to. Place the custom is not to work, you're not allowed to. And we see from here that if it's necessary for work, for Yamtif, then you're allowed to finish it. Not, you're not allowed to. So we see the most stringent position is what the mission is trying to teach us, that even something that was started before the 14th can only be finished on the 14th in those places where the custom is not to work on Arab Yom Tif, right? Even that can only be finished if it's actually absolutely necessary for Yom Now, we do not have, I don't think we have any places anymore where that's still the custom. Like in, in America, there's no custom like that, that, you don't do work on Arab Yom Tif, right? Okay. it. Right? Okay. There are three different types of workers that are allowed to do their work even on Erev Pesach as well. we Why can a, a chayat work on, a, a tailor work on Erev Yomteh? Because even a regular person who's not an actual expert tailor. He can also do some sort of sewing on Cholomoyed on the intermediate days between the first days of Pesach and, and second days of Pesach, and first days of Sukkos, and second days of Pesach. Second days of Sukkos, right? So there, in general, what we say is that things that are considered to be um, things that only craftsmen can do is forbidden on the intermediate days. But things that even a layman can do are permitted on the intermediate days. As barbers and launderers, right? There are people who, who are coming from across the seas and people who are coming out of jail, right? They're even allowed to cut their hair, and they're even allowed to do laundry on Chalamait, because they didn't have a choice beforehand. So therefore, they're allowed to do this work, these barbers and these launderers are allowed to do work on Arab Pesach. And even shoemakers. Because the people who go up on Yom Tif to Yerushalayim, they're allowed to fix their shoes on the intermediate days of the holiday. Mike Mifli, what's the name? One. The first tzad that said they're forbidden to work on Arab Yom He learns from the beginning to the end. What does this mean? That the same way you're allowed to repair your shoes on the on, uh, on the days, so too you're allowed to actually start them on the, on the Arab Pesach days. One of them says you cannot learn out the beginning from the fact that you could do the end. In other words, the fact that you're allowed to the oily regalim, the people who are going up to Jerusalem, are allowed to fix their shoes if necessary in Chalamid. That's not an indication that you're allowed to start making shoes from the beginning on Erev. You're allowed to set up the chickens on top of the eggs so that you could um, cause these eggs to hatch even on the 14th. Let's say a chicken goes away from its eggs for whatever reason, right? And you're allowed to put that chicken back in its place. Mesa, and if it died, you're even allowed to put another chicken back out of those eggs. You're allowed to collect the manure from underneath the animal on the 14th. But on Chol you're not allowed to do that. You just have to move it away to the side so you can walk there. You're allowed to bring right, vessels, and take them back and forth from the house of the uman even if they're not necessary for yomteh. Now that you hold that you're allowed to put the chicken on top in the first place, if you're allowed to put it on top in the first place, of course you're allowed to return it. It says, we need it for the end. Right? The seifa is coming to teach you about right? that if on you're not allowed to put it up you're not allowed to put a chicken on top of eggs for the first time or you're allowed to return it you can only say that you can return it within three days of when she ran away right because why because the the um, the special heat that she's able to use to, to heat up the eggs to exactly the right temperature that they will end up hatching has not yet left her but after three days of her sitting here the what will happen if she doesn't sit back down now, three days with nobody sitting on them, the eggs are going to be completely gone and ruined. But after three days from her rebellion, the that there's no more heat left at all, even if it's within the first three days of sitting on them, you're not allowed to return her on Even if it's within the three days of her first sitting there, right? you're still allowed to return her. One of them says we're only concerned for a great loss. We're not concerned about a small loss. We're also concerned about a small loss, so we'll even allow you to put her back there even when it's only going to be a small loss that you're averting. You're allowed to sweep away the the manure. The zeval, the the, the, uh, the junk, the the manure in the the field, I'm sorry, in the courtyard you're allowed to sweep away the sides. The, that which is in the barn and the chatzor, uh, uh it's, it's Chatzur, right? The courtyard of the um, of the barn. You bring it out into the Ashba, into the garbage dump. One second? what's going on over here? You said that the Zevil in the Chatzur, you're only allowed to move it to the sides. You're not allowed to bring it anywhere else. And then afterwards, you said that which is in the Repes and in the Chatzur, you're actually allowed to return the Ashba, garbage dump. I'm going to buy a Lake Kasha, can be a Dalit. Can <speaking> be <middle> <day> When, it's, when it's and when well, on, I'm sorry on the intermediate days. When talking about on the fourteenth, on the fourteenth, you just you're allowed to even bring it to the garbage stuff. On on 14th, you're allowed you're only allowed to move to the side. Ravah answers it differently. on <speaking> in the intermediate <middle> days. In day, if your became like full of like your courtyard looks like a barn, that's how gross it is. Then you're allowed to start taking things and bringing it to the garbage stuff. <speaking> <middle> <day> And you're allowed to bring vessels back and forth from the house of the of the craftsman. Um, Reb Papa. Reb Papa, says, "Badak asked us a question. Let me hear what you guys have to say. It says in the Mishnah, you're allowed to carry <coughs> back and forth the vessels from the house of the craftsman. Even though it's not necessary for young I'll ask you a question. And it says, you're not allowed to bring vessels from the house of the craftsman. But if you're worried that what's going to happen, they'll end up getting stolen. So you're allowed to move them to another Right? So one place it says, you're allowed to move them. If you're afraid of a gun. And another place it says, you're not allowed to move them. Once again, we're going to have to say, one of them is talking about on, on 14th, one to you're only allowed to move it for the sake of... Um, for the sake of, uh, uh, literally, fear that it's going to get stolen. And one of them, on Erev Yomte, if you're allowed to move them, LeGamri. But you say another answer, I'm talking about happening on the intermediate days. And one of them says, you're allowed to move it if you're afraid of stealing. One of them says, you're allowed to move it for anything. Hasha, it's not, not difficult. It's not a question. Kan amine, kan the first case is that he is not concerned that the Ganav will steal from him. The second case, I'm sorry, that the, the craftsman will steal from him. The second case is he is concerned. But Daniel we learned in brisa. Huh? mi when you're allowed to bring vessels from the house of the craftsman, as an example, the kad, which is like um, uh, a pitcher right, that's made out of some sort of pottery from the house of the of the powder. and the the uh, the the cup, which is uh, probably a glass cup from the house of the glassblower. floor. But you're not allowed to take the tsever, tsemer, the, the wool from the dyer's house. And they're not vessels from the craftsman's house. But if you don't have what to eat, then you should give him the money that he has to pay him for the item, and you leave the item by him, because you shouldn't move it at all. But if you don't trust him that he's not going to renege and say that this item is not yours, leave them in a house nearby, but don't bring it all the way back to your house. But if you're concerned, Yiknav, stolen. you're allowed to put them in into his house in a, in a secret way, bring them back to his house. In other words, you shouldn't do this in public because it's a way of being mezalzel, of degrading the honor of mevian, You've answered why sometimes you're allowed to bring it. What about bringing it to the Oma? It sounds like the Kani, it says in uh, in the Mishnah, you're not allowed to bring it. And certainly you're not allowed to, I'm sorry, you're not allowed to bring it to him in the first place. And you're certainly not allowed to bring them back to his house. So you have to answer it the way we answered initially. Our mission is talking about on the 14th. And that's why you're allowed to bring it back. forth. the Bryce is referring to the intermediate days. That's why you're not allowed. A little bit further. Three things the, the men, sorry, six things the men of Yericho did. Three things the sages were not happy with. The three things they were they didn't protest. these are they. They did not protest. What did they do? the They would they would graft palm trees the entire day of the fourteenth of Nissan. And they would say Shema without pausing in the proper places which we're going to see is very problematic if you don't pause in the proper places you give people the wrong impression when you're saying shema and they would actually harvest and start stacking up the produce before the oimer sacrifice was actually brought on the 16th day of nisan and that would be a concern that people would end up coming to eat it and these are things that they did protest they allow people to use the branches of trees that belong to hectish right that belonged to the, were consecrated. The Gemara is going to say why they allowed and what the problem was. And they allowed people to eat fruit that fell off of a tree on Shabbos. And they would give payah, right? Payah is the corners that you would leave for the poor people. They would do they would do payah. They would leave off the corners of their field from vegetables. Now you don't do payah unless it is uh, wheats, right? You know, grains and um, and vineyards, right? But you don't do it for vegetables. So what's the problem? We're not happy with this either. Gemara is going to explain. It seems like a good thing for them to leave Payas. So why are the Chacham protesting this behavior? Okay, we're going to